good afternoon, good rising, and hello to our lovely listeners. Um, we are the ladies of the 1010 podcast. My name is Wyona. I'm Ori. And I'm Tatiana. And we wanted to come together because right now the country is going through an unnerving time, and we're not talking about COVID-19, we're talking about the centuries-long systematic racism and the implosion that's happened since the murder of George Floyd on May 25th. So if you're listening to this, you're probably uh, well aware of the situation of what's going on in the States right now. It's actually also had a global impact. There have been protests and riots, not just here, but also in London, in Berlin, and many other uh, pockets in the world. And we definitely need to address this as 1010. Uh, we actually know that you're probably waiting for this from us because we've talked about racism, we've talked about being black and being women in America and being bicultural and black in America. So it leads us to this topic on our personal perspectives on racism in America, the fact that America thinks it's so amazing when it's not, the fact that it's been fractured since the second Columbus and his crew landed in North America. And to fool ourselves into thinking anything else would be a lie. Many people do, but it's a lie. So again, the catalyst for the current unrest was George Floyd being murdered by a policeman and the uh, aiding by other police officers. And initially, the police officer who had his, who had George Floyd in a carotid hold, which is now illegal uh, in certain police departments, um, was charged with third degree murder at the time. But of course, that wasn't enough because it wasn't third degree. It was at least second degree. And he's been charged, I don't want to say more appropriately, but he's been charged with second degree now. And the other three officers have been charged at the time they weren't, which was uh, a main reason for the protesting. That being said, of course, we've lost Breonna Taylor to police violence. And, you know, we've lost so many black men and women for for decades now um, due to police brutality, but the more recent cases of Eric Garner and Michael Brown mm -hmm. uh, have brought us to where we are right now. So that being said, I'm going to pivot this now towards the both of you, Ori and Wyona, and I'd love to hear, I suppose, how you've personally been affected by what's going on right now. And I'm not talking about like pre-May 25th, because we will get there. But once this, you know, once George Floyd was killed, once everything just went to shit, uh, even more than it already was in our country, how how was that for you guys? What was your experience? So for me, <clears throat> it was it was I was devastated, and um, for the whole week I couldn't really you know concentrate to do my work. Because, you know, every time I thought about it, I was always, you know, I'll think about my son, think about my husband, think about, you know, my family and friends that are, you know, gangs and even me as a woman, you know. And it just made me feel that, you know, for a lot of black people in this country, we kind of have everyone's 
feet on our necks because it's not really about the fact that you know Derek had his knees on Judd's on Judd Floyd's neck. It's about the system. The system itself kind of has its neck, its its leg on our necks in other areas of life. You know, even in career, even education, healthcare. You know, in a lot of those sectors, I feel like black people are always we're struggling. You know, and we're like shouting, we're screaming, we can't breathe. It's hard, and it just really got me scared. I was really heartbroken. I watched that video repeatedly. First, I was, you know, the first time I watched it, it was, I was scared. But by the second and the third time, I was watching it with intent, you know, to really understand, you know, what was going on in the guy's, you know, in the guy's head. He had his um, hands in his pocket at the time. And he, you know, he just left his, his, his knee on his neck. I'm, I'm a medical doctor and it only takes four minutes for the brain to be dead. So once you don't get oxygen in your brain, after four minutes, you are brain dead already. So even if, you know, you go to the hospital, there's a possibility that, you know, he didn't have, he didn't get oxygen in his brain for four minutes and he could have even been brain dead, you know. So I I had a lot of emotions and um, I still have a lot of emotions about it. I'm kind of happy that, you know, there's a lot of protests in a lot of states because it's happening in Minneapolis and then, you know, Atlanta, Texas, everywhere, even Boston, you know. So I feel like there's more attention, you know, towards this because it's happened, a lot of lives have been lost. So I feel like now there's there's a lot of attention and I'm just hoping that, you know, there can be um, closure, a really good closure with this, with this, this time around. Um, Wana, um, let's let's hear your own thoughts about this. Yeah, I definitely agree with um a lot of what both of you guys said. It's definitely an injustice that happened and very um heavy on people of color, especially black people in the country. It's definitely a lot to take in and kind of watch every day. Um, I know that um. I kind of had to, when watching the news, kind of have to stop myself from watching the news sometimes because it's, it's sometimes it's just a bit overwhelming and no matter, like, even at work, it's, like, kind of what all that people talk about and they'll either replay the video or continue on the topic. So it's definitely um, very overwhelming to have to hear about all the time. And I watched the video and my initial instinct was to kind of get more details on everything that happened so like I watched a few different videos and um kind of trying to piece together what led up to the moment and um there's a lot of things that make sense a lot of things that don't make sense and I have like my own suspicions about like kind of like how this kind of came to be and and you know all of that stuff so I'm definitely doing a lot of my own research and trying to really follow this case, like, and see how far they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that reminds me, um, as you talked about doing your own research, you know, I, I actually started listening to Martin Luther King, and I went on YouTube and listened to a lot of, you know, the videos that, you know, um, he had and what led to his assassination and all that. And I'm like, I, I can't believe that. How many years? That's like 50 years ago or so, right? 
Mm. And these things are still happening. You know, it's 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 crazy, honestly. Um, Tatiana, you're gonna say something. Well, so I have to admit, when this first happened, I had peripheral information. Um, solely because my I had a I had a very close uh, relative in the hospital when this happened. Actually, she was admitted the day that George Floyd was killed. So I spent days talking to her care team, updating the family, blah, blah, blah. So I, my reaction to this and really receiving the extent of what happened was uh, delayed by a few days. Um, and then once I... Once I grasped exactly what happened, then it was like a tidal wave coming at me, which I imagine is how everyone felt when they first really uh, had an understanding of what happened. And I watched the video, um, couldn't bring myself to watch the entire thing because it it was a modern day lynching. That's what it was, you know. And of course, it brings me back to Emmett Till. It brings me back to, you know the you know the four well it wasn't lynching but the four little girls that were bombed uh in a church in the south it brings me back to all of these horrendous times when black people were killed and the country did a little something but not much at all um and so right now i am i don't want to say happy but I'm acknowledging the fact that more people are reflecting upon their own white privilege, if they're not a person of color, if they are a person of color, how do they empower their black allies? How can we have a better dialogue? How can we celebrate each other as you know, different races and people, different walks of life? But more importantly, with regards to this, how can other people who are not black stand up for those of us that are and make sure that everything is equitable and that it's not necessarily just when it comes to the police but to healthcare, housing and all of these other things um that being said police brutality is there are no words for it how can there be um Sorry, I'm just kind of taking this. But uh, things need to change. Police unions are the fucking worst because they are the biggest obstacle to any actual change. You know, there have been reforms, we've had body cameras, blah, blah, blah. People are recording, it's holding people accountable, but it's not changing how many people are dying because we have so many recordings of people dying, as in the case with George Floyd. Where the cop stared directly at the camera, didn't give a shit as he's killing him. So it's not going to, it's not going to change, but it does change holding them more accountable. And what's amazing to me is that, you know, everyone's in the streets, everyone's protesting because the killings, the aggression, the harassment, the abuse of of black men and women, black adolescents, is one of the worst stains in this country. And then the police fight back with more force. So you see these police officers tasing, using tear gas, and beating up protesters without provocation just because they can. So you're not proving 
your work. You're not proving that you as an individual, I'm not talking about all police, but the specific police that come after protesters and those that they pull over without provocation or or someone throws, you know, throws a swing at you mm-hmm. and you counteract that with shooting them like eight times, you know, it just, it really needs to, it obviously needs to change, but am I optimistic that that change is going to happen right now? No. I think some changes will be made, but it won't be enough. Yeah, it's it's a lot of nonsense that is going on, and honestly, Tatiana, this this really has to stop. As you said, you know, it may not happen immediately, but honestly, it has to stop because it's 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 crazy. It's it's evil. That's just what it is. It's evil to look at another human being and you think that you're better than that person. Already, you know, black people are already struggling for a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. we're already struggling, trying, you know, we're really, we're hardworking people, we're people that are trying, you know, and you now see me just because I'm a black man, that you just want to kill me, or you think my life doesn't worth anything, and, you know, I was, I was watching something where, you know, someone was saying, no, they shouldn't say all, all life matters, that it should be, it shouldn't be black life matters, it should be all life matters, yes, all life matters, but the reason, I just want people to be able to understand that the reason people say all black lives matter is because black people have died for things that no white, like a lot of white people don't die for the same things. Yeah. Yes. You know, black people have gone to prison, to jail for longer terms, for the same offense that white people would go to jail for probably one year. And then a, a black person would go to this for the same offense for probably 15 years. Right, exactly. And So it's it's not the same, you know. And that's why we're saying black lives matter. Not because white people's lives don't matter. Every life matters. But in this, you know, when we talk about racism, when we talk about, you know, all these systemic issues, we have to, white people have to, you know, be empathetic, you know, and see with the lens of of a black person and understand what we're saying. We're not saying their life doesn't matter. Every life matters. But all we're saying is that you know, black people have suffered a lot in this country, you know, and we just want, we want more attention, you know, we want more attention and we want people to focus more on, on black people just so that they don't kill them as much as they've been killing them, you know, just spare black people a little bit more. That's all we're saying. Yeah, and, the, and those that say all life matters are the same people that ignore the fact that they live in a country that was built off of the murders, the abuse, the you know the the uh, enforced labor in this country on the part of white people against black people. Like this country was built by black people, you know. And mm-hmm. and so when you say all life matters, you're ignoring that truth. And it's more. It's kind of like. You know, when you think about the foundation of a house and you have these floorboards, it's as if someone walks into that house, walking on the floorboards that were built by black people, forcibly, to say the very freaking least, and take, you know, let's say a sword or machete, whatever you want, and just continuously rip holes into the floorboard aggressively Mm -hmm. and with no remorse. That is exactly 
what I receive when someone says no, but all lives matter. We have to identify the problem to promote change. So if we say that, then we're not identifying the problem. And if you say that to me, you don't understand the extent of what's happening. And more so, you're essentially spitting in my face. And in the face of, of every single person of color in this country and those that have come before us for the past 400 Mm. years. I don't care what your Mm. intentions are. That's exactly what you're doing. Sorry, Wayana, you were going to say? Oh, yeah. I was just going to mention that um, in spite of all the the protests that I've seen, like, happening, I do kind of want to make it a point that I've seen a lot of, like, non-black people of color and white people try to become, like, allies, and I've seen them, like, at the forefront of the protests and the riots that happen, um, which is great. Like, I do love the idea of having allies. It's just sometimes I feel like it gets kind of, like, overshadowed a little bit, and they become, like, kind of like the quote-unquote white saviors. I've, I've noticed that happen a lot because mm-hmm. it's, like, that's something that I've seen that's been noted a lot. It's like, oh, wow, look at all these white people who are joining, and oh, wow, look at all these non-black people of color that are, that are joining. And I'm like, for all of the protests, for everything that has happened, all the way back for all the, like, huge brutality cases that have happened, this is literally my first time when I've seen it, like, made such a big deal that there are, like, non-black people of color and white people that are at the head of this movement. So it's it definitely brought up a lot of suspicions that I have about, like, the motives behind how, like, all of these things came to, to, like, played to happen, especially after COVID. I definitely, mm-hmm. like, like, it's just been, I'd say, suspicious about everything. Yeah. And to bring you up, you know, we're still, you know, um, trying to, you know, get out of COVID and, and um, you know, get back to work, get back to our life. This is our point. That's to let everyone know the extent of how people feel. You know, so the first thing that struck me was like, this is everyone. You know, no one is thinking about COVID right now. That's to let you know that a lot of people are tired, a lot of people are angry, a lot of people are, you know, they are frustrated about this thing happening over and over again. And that's why, you know, despite the fact that we're so scared about going out, you know, because of COVID, people came all out, you know, to protest for um, Black Lives Matter. Because it's it's really important mm-hmm. and oh man, Tatiana, Wayana, um I don't know what to say. This this thing is crazy. Yeah, it's it's bad. As I said, it's evil. It's But it's 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 it's, it's where we've always been. It's where we are yeah. and it's where we've been all along. And then what what makes us think that this is gonna change? You know, what makes exactly. us think it's gonna change? Mm-hmm. Like, is there anything that you're seeing, Tatiana, just be be realistic, Mm -hmm. is there anything you're seeing that is happening that you think that would, you know, that would result into um, a more, um, a more um, visible change? Well, the pressure on politicians uh, to, to bring about local change is mounting. We have seen certain cities uh la actually now here in boston where funds to the police department some of them will be reallocated towards social services as they should be because police departments are just allocated way too much money and they have all these military equipment and so on that were purchased post 9-11 for anti-terrorist 
uh, protection, which is obviously not the case. That's um, so I think politicians are our best bet right now. We have a president who doesn't care about us one iota. It's just it's the truth, and I don't. It doesn't matter what his team says, not even him, because when when Trump's mouth moves, I hear white noise. There's no, there's nothing that's come out of that mouth that has been of any significance to me, ever. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just, I couldn't care less. That being said, his administration doesn't care because he doesn't care, and he's hired people who similarly do not care. And we have police unions that wield far too much power in this country, and you know they they pay off politicians and you know they're lobbyists and so on. So so they have a lot of influence. So where this can go, I really don't know. Uh, I'm hopeful that we'll have another president soon who actually wants to create lasting change. You know, kind mm-hmm. of like Lyndon B. Johnson after JFK was assassinated, um, tried to promote racial equity a bit farther than where it was. Um, of course, I shouldn't say that because there's been inequity since the beginning, but was trying to promote change a bit farther than where it was along the spectrum at the time. Uh, so I really don't know. And to your point, when you're talking about allies, my question is, but where have you been though? <laughs> now, right now you're reading books by Yubram X. Kendi, and now you're, you know, I don't know, listening to Nina Simone and buying Fenty Beauty. Fantastic. Where were you before? What are you actually doing now that's actually going to make a change? And more so, six months from now, a year from now, what will you be doing? Because right now it's trending and it's on Instagram and you have your Blackout Tuesdays and everyone's talking about it. Oh my gosh, these poor black people, how can I help them? Um, But what are you going to do later on when this isn't in the news anymore and you're living your white privileged life, you know, and you're on Mayberry Street with your white picket fence? I mean, these are horrible (laughs) generalizations but you get what i mean um for those that weren't allies before of course there are people who are not people of color who have been allies for much if not all of their lives but there are many that haven't the fact that this persists just goes to show that there is a stark difference between the racism that we well, that America likes to admit to, and the racism that actually exists. So. I do want to add to that. Tana, thank you. Okay. I feel like um, that's, that's been my, like, kind of frustration with it, is that I do feel that a lot of, a lot of times people don't take, like, the protests very seriously, and I feel like a lot of it is just, like, because it's trending, and everyone just, like, hops on the bandwagon, and that's, like, I don't, I actually don't participate in that, and I feel that to do my part, I just, like, exactly what I said before, like, keeping up with the case and, like, researching and really analyzing it from my own perspective. Like, like literally, for example, I looked up the, um, the Minneapolis Police Policy Manual, and I'm like, if there's people who have the power to make change, why is it just, like, not as easy as just eliminating that, like, that actual part? Because it does allow... In, in Minneapolis, to be um, both a chokehold and have like putting a body part on like 
the neck of a suspect or at any other part of the body. It can be neck, it can be anything like that. He did break that policy because they're not supposed to like do it on the windpipe or make it so that somebody can't breathe. Um, it's just supposed to be to control the suspect. And to be honest, he was already in control because he was mm-hmm. in handcuffs and was mm-hmm. in the car. He literally pulled him out of the car to do that to him. So I was like, oh, okay, how come they can't just like ban that policy and ban it all across the board in America if it's still legal in some places? But instead, it's like, we're talking about defunding the police. It's not that I don't support that. It's that when you think about how every city gets a budget in every fiscal year and there's people who are not on the front lines who decide where that money goes. So we can defund the police, but who's to say that that's going to help the public in any way, shape, or form? Like, that doesn't mean that they're not going to still abuse the public in any sort of way. Chauvin didn't need a, a military tank or any sort of weapon to do what he did. He did it all with his bare hands. So I just want to make sure mm-hmm. that, like, right. he's, like, when people have these conversations that are focused on, <laughs> like, make sure the public is safe and hold the police accountable for their actions. And I feel like change would mean eliminating that policy where you can't do any sort of chokehold, no knee on the neck, no nothing like that at all. And like people did also talk about training and retraining. That could be a start, but it's most I think they should also screen for like all of these issues because all those officers, they have all had like some sort of issue in the past on their records and I'm like this is something that should have been caught from the beginning and it's been let on for so long. So that, better screening. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of solutions that I that I have in my head. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, they should stop targeting black men. You know, they should just stop it. Like, they should just stop targeting black men, just seeing a black man and just thinking that he's a criminal. They should stop that. That's, that's implicit you know. bias at work. Yeah. So that's been ingrained you know, in then, them. You know, but they really have to stop it because, you know, from all these things that we've talked about, you know, it's obvious that, you know, this thing, it will take a while. Based on what you said, Tatiana, based on all the policies that Tatiana has talked about as well, we know that this thing is going to take a while. You know, we're hoping that, you know, it can be shorter, but, you know, it's already looking like it's not going to happen like in a jiffy. So I was just wondering, what do you think we can do as individuals? Because at least we have control over ourselves. We have control, you know, over things that can happen at the individual level. What are things that you think that we can do as black people that can, you know, that can help this um, situation? I feel like a lot of it might have to do with creating allies with people who have the power to make change. Because I feel like, especially back in the day when we were facing these sort of, like, protests, civil rights movement I feel like a lot of the leaders of the civil rights movement were kind of like made allies with people who have the power to make change like politicians or whomever who were able to like really make some change because we as people we can we can protest we can riot we can talk about it for days and days but unless someone who has that power to create change is also on board and actually makes change that's like that's one thing that I think that we really need to have to really move forward. So what I'm really saying, because that still requires, you know, some form of um, power. That still requires some form of policy changes and all of that. I'm just wondering, like, is there, is there, are there things that we can do personally as individuals 
that can help this. That doesn't require, you know, having to lobby at the Congress or doesn't require having to talk to, you know, a senator or like people in, in power. Are there things that black people can do? Are there things that we can um, change with the way we, you know, we do things that can help us? Because I feel like if we can also start taking tiny little steps, this, you know, it would get better. Of course, we talk about the systemic changes, but I'm just wondering, what are things that individuals can do? What What are things that you can do to attend? What are things that you can tell your brother to do? What are things that I can tell my son to do? What are things that I can tell my husband to do? I, I think it's about amplifying your voice as, as, as much as you possibly can. Because, yes, the... the the truest long-term, well, the truest long-term change comes comes through policy change. But I would say, when you have been harassed by police, even if it's minor, if you know of anyone where that's been the case, don't accept it and talk about it to your circle and go about your life. You need to file reports. You need to see them through. I mean, for instance, I fortunately uh, have not been pulled over by police thus far in life. Uh, I'm not really a speeder or anything, but of course they don't need that as a reason. So mm-hmm. I am fortunate enough to have not been to date. That being said, anytime I see police officers, just in my mind, I'm already thinking, okay, but give me a reason to file a complaint. Like, give mm-hmm. me a reason. I, I mean, I watch them so precisely where it's kind of, you know, if they give me a shred of something that I feel is harassment or is racist. Best believe I'm filing a complaint and I'm finding a way to make sure that it is addressed with the police officer. Not necessarily saying, oh, you must be fired, um, because that depends upon what's happened. But I think the best way is for us to stand together. Well, black people need to be better unified. That's one. Because I don't think that we that we are as unified as we should be, you know. And when when that's the case, it also makes us more of uh, I suppose of more of an imposing force, where then police departments, politicians, what have you, would have reason to pause before they did something. That would not always be the case because implicit bias is just, it's everywhere. I mean, I would say, and I was thinking about this uh, last week, beyond police brutality and just the root of it all, this idea that the white population in our country could be in some way superior to to people of color, and specifically we're talking about right now, you know, our black population, the fact that there are police officers and politicians, I mean, you name any field, there are people that believe this. It's just amazing to me because my reaction is always, I pity you, though. Like, you, you have the cognitive ability to expand your cognitive bandwidth to understand and celebrate differences. But you've allowed conditioning by your family, by your neighborhood, by society, that you're somehow better. 
You didn't fight that. You haven't fought that because you wouldn't be you wouldn't be having these aggressive interactions that you're having with black men and women. And I just I, I pity people like that because you have all the potential mentally to understand difference, to appreciate difference, to see skin tones, to see ranges of melanin, to see any sort of background and appreciate what they bring to your life and what they bring to your community. But you don't. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're just, you're choosing to be weak-minded. And so I pity you. I think there's a lot of stuff yeah. that we can do as a people. I think um, the conversations that we have is helpful. And like Tatiana said, like not having it within our circle, but expanding that to include um white people especially those who have a lot of privilege um like like including them in the conversation education i think is also very helpful in having people recognize like their privilege and seeing how they can be more of an ally in certain situations to especially help black people when we need it um i think it definitely that's a starting point and in terms of police brutality i also um Brooke and I were talking about this the other day and we were like, well, what if there was like a positive reinforcement kind of system for police? Like you change the culture of getting, I guess, rewarded for the number of arrests that you do or the amount of people that you get mm-hmm. and change that into like, well, how many times did you go to the corner store and like introduce yourself and have a conversation with the owner? Like kind of getting in the neighborhood and eliminating the us versus them relationship and making it more of like a, like a collaboration like a togetherness kind of unity can you introduce that to the city of boston because (laughs) that's an amazing idea i don't that's like i'm not i love that encouraging Mm -hmm. actual social interaction yeah yes yeah yeah Yeah, you may not pull a gun on the man who you talk to at the corner store because you know he's actually a decent person because he took two minutes to get to know him for a second know him yeah yeah definitely I agree. I think I think what I got from Tatiana, what I you know, is that we should start speaking out more. You know, people should, you know, when there's an harassment, talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just be quiet like, Oh, I escaped it, so it's good for me. Once, you know, there's some form of, you know, brutality, talk about it. And um I also heard from the Wayana that, you know, we should try to be educated about this. But we we need education, both formal and informal, you know to understand what's been happening you know back then what's happening now and um also get some formal education as well because it helps you know um so i think with with all those i really um think that if we start practicing those things rather than fear because i feel like what black people have right now is fear for the police Mm -hmm. black man sees you know the police and it's really like been or it's been yeah They've yeah. been, because once slavery was abolished, there's the caveat in the 13th Amendment in the Constitution that, well, you can't hold someone as a slave unless they have been found guilty of a crime. So that's why we have the incarceration incarceration system where it is right now, because mm-hmm. you can't have black people as slaves anymore. Well, let's just make them criminals. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if yeah. they committed the crime or not. You know, we have mm-hmm. mandatory minimums. We have we have all of these different sort of components in place 
to make sure, you know, three strikes you're out rule, you know, to make sure that people of color suffer the most and are put away for the longest amount of time possible. So then we've brought down the number of black people in the, in the streets because, mm-hmm. you know, from from the from the yeah, government's yeah. perspective, it's we're winning because mm-hmm. there are less black people around. So we can be less fearful, you know, because black people have been made to seem from the beginning that they're aggressive, that they're a threat, mm-hmm. that they're out to get you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really the the extent of well, of course, there's racism in, in every pocket of the world. But what amazes me is that America, in general, America loves itself. And America (laughs) feels that it's the best country ever. But you have so many craters in this foundation that you think you stand on. And and it's just mind-boggling to me. So right now, if nothing else, this is another example to the world of America in its truest form. Sorry, I get really riled up about this. So I'm trying. I'm trying not to give myself high blood pressure. <laughs> no, you're. I'll take a breath. Sorry. Go ahead, go. No, no definitely. Yeah, it's, I definitely see that America has a lot of lot of room for growth and change and making things like fair and equitable for Black people in this country. Um, we have still yet to get our reparations, even though we went through the exact same thing, if not worse, as other folks who have gotten um, reparations. So I I am hoping that we can even get to a conversation like that in the future. I think that would be something that our people would really benefit from and create some generational wealth and um, kind of make things better for our people in the future. Because today is just not always uh, not always fun to go through these issues and and yeah so and i'm interested i just hope people can (laughs) i just hope people can just be more humane you know just see another person as a human being you know just just look at me and and just see me see my value just see that oh this person also has blood in her veins this guy has blood in his veins you know what i mean like just see people as another human being like you and just show some kindness. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. And be nice. That's that's it. Honestly, if everybody can just try to be nice and kind and you know, just fill other people's bucket, like the things they taught you guys in kindergarten. Exactly. <laughs> I remember you know they, they teach you guys a lot of those things they didn't even teach you in my country. In my country they don't teach us to fill anybody's bucket. <laughs> exactly. So I, I mean, like I think people should just practice all those things that we've learned from, you know, from the time we were young about being nice, being kind to other people and maybe the world will be will be a better place. I wholeheartedly agree, right? Yes. I think everyone needs to find ways to empower each other and find the beauty in other people. Because yes. everyone from different walks of life has a beauty that they exude. Whether or not you necessarily see it it's there and, and it and it needs to be cherished. And I think yeah. when you when you approach life, even strangers, with an open heart and an open mind, mm-hmm. it's amazing how that can seep into your own soul and how then that's sort of paid forward in life. Yeah. So I definitely agree. Um 
So yes, I definitely feel that we can all benefit from having these sort of conversations. And even though we are ending our conversation today, the conversation never stops. So with that, we would like to. That better not be for a person of color. On that note, we would like to come to an end on our conversation for today. And once again, we are the lovely ladies of 1010. I am Wyona, and I was here with Tatiana and Ori. Stay safe out there, guys. Bye. Bye.